What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. All right, Russ, what can our tribe look forward to in today's interview with Geraldine Serrano? Well, we're going to be breaking down cost segregation. If you don't know what that means, we're going to go deep there. You're going to learn what are the type of properties that you need to have in order to make this a fit? When's the best time to start this? What are the major mistakes? You're also going to learn that Geraldine's firm can act as audit defense for you when backing these up. Lots of details. I'm sorry that we didn't ask all the questions, but we will give you a chance to get her contact information so you can reach out to her. She is in the community. She's wicked smart, as they say in the Northeast. <laughs> Joey, let's jump in right now with Geraldine Serrano. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Calling all Wealth Without Wall Street tribe real estate investors, get ready to level up your tax game today with Geraldine Serrano of Veritax Advisors. Geraldine, so glad to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Man, so excited to get into this subject. We're talking about cost segregation. What the heck is cost segregation, Geraldine, and why should we care? Cost segregation is a tax strategy available to all residential and commercial real estate investors to help them lower their taxes, which in turn helps them improve their cash flow. Oh, okay. I, you, you got me hooked there. Um, <laughs> it, what, why is this something that I don't really hear that often, right? As a, a real estate investor, this doesn't seem to be a topic that is always out there, but yet having conversations with you before we press record, I'm like, man, this could have been a game changer for a lot of deals we looked at in the past. Yeah. So I do get asked that question a lot. You know, the first person that these real estate investors think would tell them about this strategy is their CPA. And unfortunately they, um, they don't, they don't tell their clients that this strategy is available to them, unfortunately. So a lot of times these real estate investors hear about this tax strategy from other investors that they know or other professionals like their insurance broker, banker um, that know about this strategy. So um, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Why? I, I don't that doesn't make sense to me. Like if this is a legit tax strategy, why wouldn't an accountant 
be willing or able or I mean, is it that they, they don't want to talk about it or what what's the reasons that they don't hear about it from their accountant? So the answers that I get from different CPAs that I've talked to is one, they don't refer anyone, right? They're not going to refer a financial advisor, an attorney that could possibly help them with their tax situation, right? They just take the information and they put it on a tax return and then they charge the taxpayer, right, to prepare their tax return. Um, so that's one answer that I got. And then two, uh, they, I have CPA saying they don't, um, it, they don't want to talk about another fee. They don't want to talk about their fee and another fee that would be involved for their client, which doesn't make sense to me because if the client can significantly reduce or completely eliminate their tax liability for the year, for that tax year, why wouldn't they recommend doing a cost segregation study and, um, and with the fee, it's typically minimal, right? Like if you could pay $5,000 to do a cost segregation study where you wouldn't have to pay the IRS 50,000, why wouldn't you talk about that fee? A hundred percent. All right. So I, I want to dig into what are those things? What are the things that do I qualify, right? Does my property qualify? What what are those big three things that whenever I call you, right? I'm, I'm probably your typical, I don't know anything client. I'm on the phone with you, which we're, by the way, people are going to be like, hey, how do I get in touch with you? We're going to be sharing Geraldine's information at the end. So stick around. But I'm on the phone with you, Geraldine. I call you up and I, I'm going to start asking all the dumb questions. I own these three properties. They, they, they look and feel like this. Am I a candidate? What are those things that those big three nuggets are, are, are nuggets that you're going to be asking me for so that way I can prepare in advance? Sure. So a cost segregation study can literally be done on any building. So it could be a residential or a commercial building. The only building it cannot be done on is a primary residence. And there are a lot of there are a lot of misconceptions on what type of building a cost segregation study can be done on. Some people think that it can only be done on a commercial building, and that's not true. It could be done on an ADU. It could be done on a single family home where the person only rents out a certain portion of that home. Um, it can be done on a duplex, fourplex, uh, any type of multifamily um, property. Also on the commercial side, I've had a real estate developer build a commercial building um, and put 30 different offices and he made this building out of shipping containers. So, you know, the a cost segregation study should be considered on any type of property. But like I said, except for a primary residence. So is that primary and secondary homes as well? Uh, so it has to be an income producing property. It can't be a vacation home. It has to be rented out. I rent it out to myself 14 days or less every single year. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't qualify. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So let's talk about like timing of doing this. Like when, when I do this, what is the best time to do it? Or is there a best time to do it whenever? So the best time to do a cost segregation study is right after purchase. And the reason being is if you were if you've owned property for more than one year and it's already on a on one of your tax returns, there's going to be more 
work involved when you do a cost segregation study. So when what I mean by that is, so let's say you've owned a property for more than a year and it's on uh, a tax return. If you were to do a cost segregation study, you would have to file a, an IRS form 3115 telling the IRS that you're changing depreciation methods because you're going to be using the cost segregation study and showing this accelerated depreciation. And also you would have to submit what's called 481A calculations, which show how much depreciation you've taken and how much depreciation is left on the table and how much accelerated depreciation is left that is available to you. Okay. So I have a clarity question. I think up to this point, we haven't even explained the difference between those two accounting methods. Like what is the, so what of a cost segregation study, like compare that to what, how people normally would do their depreciation on a piece of property versus what they get with a cost segregation study. So I like to tell this story about a client who didn't hear about cost segregation from his CPA. So he, this client called me last year in March and he told me, Geraldine, I have my tax return in my hand, ready to mail, ready to sign and mail to the IRS along with a check for $100,000. And my friend, who's a client of yours, told me to call you and see what you could do to help me not pay the IRS $100,000. And I said, send me some information on your 12 rentals. He owned six he owned a dozen single family homes in Colorado. So he sent me some information and my team and I looked at it. So I called him after reviewing the information. We, I called him back and I said, if you don't want to write that check for $100,000 to the IRS, you don't have to. I said, you do have to write a check to my company for $27,500, but would you rather pay me and my company $27,500, or would you rather write a check for a higher amount and pay the IRS $100,000? Obviously for him, it was a no-brainer to pay my company. And he asked me, Geraldine, how is it that you can, you can make it so I don't have to pay $100,000? And I told him, when you own a building, you get this non-cash tax deduction called depreciation. So he got this annual depreciation from all of his buildings, but it still left him owing $100,000. So I told him what we need to do is we need to squeeze out more depreciation from these buildings to eliminate that $100,000 tax liability. And so that's what we did. So all a cost segregation study is doing is it's helping the real estate investor front load a significant amount of the depreciation that they can use today versus having to wait a long time to get it. And what I mean by that is residential properties are depreciated over 27 and a half years and commercial buildings are depreciated over 39 years. What that means is every year for that amount of time, that, that real estate investor is going to get a certain amount of depreciation they can use to lower their taxes. And, and whenever you actually do the cost segregation study, you're no longer doing it as a whole over the 27 and a half or 39 years. You're actually breaking down each component of that property and making sure that you get, like for instance, what would be something that 
is it shows up in a cost segregation study that you can depreciate over five to seven years that would normally be lumped into the, you know, the much longer time frame that's historically used for depreciation. Right. So the cost segregation study, what it does is it it's a detailed engineering report. And what it does is it breaks out the building into every single component that was used to construct it. And it identifies the different parts of the building that can be on a faster depreciation schedule. Um, so inside the building, we'll find five-year assets. So, and those are items like carpet, decorative lighting, wall coverings, uh, certain portions of the electrical and the plumbing. And outside the building, we're gonna find 15-year land improvements like asphalt and landscaping. So when you see a cost segregation study, you're gonna see three columns. You're gonna see what can be depreciated over five years, 15 years, and everything else that has to remain on that 27 and a half or 39 year schedule. Makes, makes total sense. So you've already kind of given us an example of someone that was able to, to then take advantage of that and save over like $100,000 on his tax bill. What are some other applications that you've seen that are, are pretty substantial that people could um, use this strategy for? Sure. So a lot of times these investors purchase a building that they, with the, with the plan to do a renovation, right? They're going to do a significant amount of improvement. So for example, when someone buys an apartment building, they're going to do a renovation in order to increase the rents, right? So when I know that, we'll have a conversation about doing a two-part cost segregation study where the first study will capture the accelerated depreciation on the building as is. And the second part of the study will capture the accelerated depreciation on the improvements. Also, the first part of the study will help with what's called partial asset dispositions. What that means is the IRS says you can write off the remaining basis of the disposed assets. So when you're doing this renovation and you're throwing items away, you get to write off the remaining basis of all those items, but it has to be done in the year that you dispose of them. Also, for the purposes of the first part of the cost segregation study, we need to see it before it's thrown away. Because just like when you're selling a used car, we have to be able to determine the make, the model, the condition, of that asset. So it's really important to get to do the first part of the study before any renovation is started. Okay. So that's one application. The other reason why investors would want to do a cost segregation study with a 1031 exchange is in order to maximize the benefits that they would receive, they would ideally want to do a cost segregation study on the relinquished property and the new property. And the reason being is if we were to only look at the new property, we're not looking at the purchase price. We're looking at what's called the carry forward basis, which is the difference between the new basis of the new building and the old, the remaining basis of the relinquished property. 
So if you want to maximize how much tax savings you would get from a study, you would want to do it on both. But those are a couple of different reasons why somebody would do a cost segregation study in those different scenarios. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher's saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. So I'm going to recap here because I know this is a lot, especially when you're running on a treadmill right now. You're like, those <laughs> were some technical words that I don't quite always understand. But what I do understand is savings, tax savings. I, I do like that. I do have rental property. I have not done one of these yet, so I don't know if it saves me or yet, but it sounds like there's things that I could do. You said the best time to do this is when you've gotten the property and you haven't filed a tax return yet. However, right, there are clearly plenty of people that you've done these cost segregation studies on. There's plenty of people that we've started to talk to lately now that we've been talking to you. You know, my uh, reticular activating system is up and I'm starting to hear these things. They probably were talked about around me, but it, we just don't think about it. We don't, you know, it doesn't apply to me because we don't understand what it is. And they have said, oh, I've had properties for years. I found out this. I went back and did exactly what you said, like completely wiped away my, my tax bill. How do I know, right, like this will make sense? How do I know it's worth the headache to go back? Is there any metric that you can give us? Oh, you have this number of properties. Oh, they're worth X number uh, of dollars. Oh, you have a tax bill that is this high. How do you help people assess it? Because there's a cost of doing everything, right? So there's a cost of doing the business. There's a, a point of where, oh, this starts to make sense. Give me and 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 the person listening to you right now some um, inkling of what that looks like, so that they can start figuring out: Are they a fit, and should they be reaching out? Sure. So, I always provide an estimate at no cost because that investor is going to want to know two things: they're going to want to know how much would it cost, will it cost to do the study, and how much do we think that they're going to save in taxes. And from there. If it looks like it would make sense for them to do it, right? Because you know, in when they, if they know they're they're going to owe for that tax year, right? And they know the amount, then that's, and they know that that's about how much they would get doing a cost segregation study. That's when they would move forward after they receive the numbers from the estimate. That's that's super smart. So you can you can know before you buy, so to speak, that this is going to be worthwhile. Um, thank you for sharing that. Now, Geraldine, I have a question because historically, whenever I've heard of this strategy, it's only applied to commercial properties, right? I've never heard somebody say, oh yeah, you could do it on a residential 
piece of property that you own as an investor. What what is, um, I guess, the motivation or why do you feel like it's something you guys are willing to do where other providers are not willing to do cost segs on just individual single family homes? You know, so my there are cost segregation firms that are looking for a certain size property at where they would charge a certain fee, right? Because for them, that's what makes it worth it for them. But for me and my company, we help investors where it's an individual or a couple picking up their first rental property, where on the other side of the spectrum, we're helping real estate developers where they have, you know, $100 million projects, right? So we come from a place where we want to help all the investors that this strategy can help. So we don't limit ourselves to just a certain investor. And it's unfortunate that I definitely come across CPAs and investors that only think it's for commercial properties. And that's not the case. My company follows the IRS's audit, audit technique guide for cost segregation. And it says you can do it on residential properties. Hey, let's let's as we start to land a plane here, because I think, you know, this can be super deep. And, and Joey and I are way above our ability to ask you a great question. I'm sorry about that, Travis. <laughs> just just being honest, right? Like the, the world that Joey, Joey and I have not historically really been real estate investors, right? We like businesses. And, and so I could probably ask you a lot of questions about the business that you run, but the, the, the real estate stuff is getting over our skis, if you will. But I, I do want to really kind of hone in on the actual like tangible benefits. Can we go through one or two just case studies that you've had that would really help me better understand exactly how this works and uh, like what the benefit, what was the result for this person? You gave the one person, hey, he had a hundred thousand dollar tax bill. And at the end of the day, he traded twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars uh, for a hundred grand. That's that's amazing. Um what about, uh, you know, the, you know, I'd love to ask that question here, more of those. And then uh, also the carry forward stuff. Is there, uh, you know, what if I can't take all the appreciation or whatever the tax benefits are for that year? Am I able to carry that forward uh, based upon your knowledge level? Yeah. So let's stick with that question. So it's not a use it or lose it situation when you do a cost segregation study. Let's say, the study was able to get you $100,000 worth of tax savings, but you only needed to use 50,000 of it this year. So basically I say you're creating a cost segregation bank where you pull from it when you need it, right? So if you only, if this taxpayer only used 50,000 and then he has 50,000 left, he can use that uh, for the next tax year. And then when you were asking about like a specific example, so, you know, a lot of times when I'll have a, a client or a real estate broker call me and say, hey, Geraldine, we're looking at this property. Can you run some numbers and let me know how much they can save in taxes? I had a broker call me saying that this couple was looking at a triple net lease property in Southern California. And uh, after my team and I looked at it, I said that it looks like they could save about $200,000 in taxes. And the broker told me, great, because they owe $175,000 in, 
in taxes. Um, also, going back to that story that I told you about the real estate investor that had the 12 single family homes in Colorado, he bought those properties after September 27th, 2017 and before the end of last year. So what that means is when we talk about finding the five and the 15 year assets, what happened is he didn't have to wait five or 15 years even to get just that accelerated depreciation because of the, when he bought those properties, they qualified for what's called a hundred percent bonus depreciation. And what that means is you get access to a hundred percent of all that accelerated depreciation. Now that was huge for him because otherwise if that hundred percent bonus depreciation rule was not in place, he would only get a certain amount over the next five or 15 years. So the best time to buy was after the, that date, right? September 27th, 2017, and before the end of last year. Starting this year, that 100% has decreased by 20%, and it's going to continue to decrease by 20% until it hits zero in 2027. So real estate investors will ask me, is it still a good time to buy? And of it is because 80% is still better than zero. How much time does, I know you're able to give, it sounds like you're probably getting some basic information of the house. Maybe they're providing some pictures, giving you details, maybe from a Zillow or something like that. So you can see different things. How much time does it take once somebody says, hey, yeah, I think we really want to dig into this. Clearly you're going to, I'm assuming, send over someone who's going to do an on-site inspection to be able to get some of that detail in that assumption? Yes. Yeah, so my company does do a physical inspection of the property for right. a number of reasons. One, at no additional cost, all of our reports come with an audit defense, which means that if the client is ever audited, we will be the ones to help their tax preparer answer any question about our report. Two, because we provide that audit defense, we have to physically go to the property to see what's there because we're going to take pictures, notes, and measurements, which is going to be in that report. Also, the client is paying us to literally find every single asset that can be depreciated faster. So without physically going to the property, we would have no idea what's there. Now, not every cost seg provider does a physical inspection. So when I come across clients where they've used a cost seg provider, provider that didn't physically go to the property, their results may be significantly lower because pr probably what they're doing is taking the averages of that property type, right? But right. you know, if you wanna be able to get the highest amount of accelerated depreciation, I would say you would have to physically go to the property. And also, the, okay, the, the follow-up to that question is typically we start thinking about taxes toward the end of the year or right before we have to pay the bill, right? Like those are the two times. I, not certain what happens, you know, uh, leading up to April 15th or what happens after April 15th all the way to December the 15th, but we forget. Like taxes don't exist to me. But in those moments, right, in those 15 days before uh, those two major uh, points are September 15th for 
most people are October 15th. We we are oblivious that taxes exist. So we come to you, we're like, Geraldine, I need tax help, right? Like there's got to be a timing though in order to get your person there to do the the research, to then draw up the report, to then be able to file it. How much time, like when somebody's coming to you, how much time do you need from when someone talks to you the first time on the phone to when they actually have a report in their hand, letting them know what the benefits is going to look like? So typically the report is done 30 days after we've completed the inspection. Now in my industry, most cost seg providers that I know will get to what they call capacity where they're not going to take on more work. And with what you just mentioned, which is typical, which is a typical situation that a lot of times the client doesn't get the information to their tax preparer till last minute. Right. And then they're scrambling like, Oh, okay. So now I've looked at your information and you're going to, Oh, is there anything we can do? So I definitely have CPAs and clients that come to me with a last minute request. Like that story I told you about the investor that had the 12 rentals. He called me in the middle of March and he needed to file uh, he was looking, he was going to file in April, right? So we didn't have a lot of time because I just told you that the report is typically done after the inspection is completed, right? So we had to get the 12 inspections done and then do 12 reports. So my company, fortunately, is set up to take on these last minute requests because another example is I had a client that had a 100,000 plus square foot office building here in Northern California. I got a call on a Friday saying they needed it by the next Friday. (laughs) And uh, my long story short, my team was able to get it done. It was a two day inspection because of the, how big this building was. So we did the inspection on the next week on Tuesday and Wednesday, and we had that report to them by Friday. But if you were to ask another provider, then you shouldn't be surprised if they say we're at capacity, we're not going to be able to get it done. We don't have enough time. But with my firm, we're, we take, not that we want to take these last minute requests, but it comes up um, all the time because it's just the nature of the situation that you mentioned. Yeah. Well, I love that you guys do that. Typically the response is what's the old quote, poor planning of your part does not necessitate an emergency on mine. Right. Um, I, I think you get that. Um, well, Geraldine, this has been fantastic. Clearly Joey and I um, have not asked all the questions we've left some for you as you're listening to this to, to be able to ask her. So if you have rental property that is income producing and meets the criteria that she shared, it might be worth a phone call to Geraldine. Geraldine, if they were wanting to reach out to you, uh, how would they get in contact? They can give me a call at 510-386-0872. Fantastic. And Tri, we'll put that in the show notes so that you'll be able to have that. Or you can go back and watch the YouTube video of Joey and I squirming, trying to figure out who is going to be up next to ask the question of Geraldine. (laughs) Geraldine, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure and looking forward to continue to have you inside the community, adding value as you always do. Thank you for having me. Tribe, thank you so much for uh, listening. Uh, if you found value, uh, take time to rate and review the show. Share this with somebody else. There's someone else out there, maybe not you, that's really a real estate investor. Or maybe this is something that you, you can make their day by sharing a way that maybe they can save 
money and taxes that they didn't know exist. Maybe they're just a single family home rental property um, landlord. And this is an idea that could be a big benefit. And helping people is always a win because it can come back to you in other ways. So have an amazing day. Thank you for listening. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.